I'm Becky and welcome to another episode of the Salty Mums podcast where we explore motherhood from a Christian perspective through women's stories and wisdom to help us remain the salt of the earth in today's culture. Hey and welcome back to another episode of the Salty Mums podcast. Um, I clearly need to go back and listen to some of our early episodes this week about being honest and age appropriate with your kids because I had that question from my four-year-old I think a lot of parents dread but how do babies get in mummy's tummies interestingly my eldest has asked about how babies come out of tummies which I put put on my big girl pants to answer appropriately but he's never asked how they get in there in the first place but I completely chickened out because (laughs) we just got to preschool so I literally shoved my preschooler in the door told the teacher what he'd asked and wished them well in answering it so whoops Um, but I I will broach the subject with him soon but I felt very unprepared despite all the advice we'd heard on this very podcast. But um, someone who is really good at confronting some of the Bible's more difficult questions is our guest today. And she and her sister, Rachel, have in recent years set up The Orchard, which is an, inc- an incredible women's ministry where they use podcasts and they're gathering in um, the autumn in Birmingham, which me and some of my friends had the privilege of going to last year. Um, and it's all about um, gathering women. Um, she's also a mum, ordained in the Church of England, and helps run Trinity Church in Nottingham. Welcome, Amy. Hello, thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure, such a pleasure. Um, <laughs> so, Amy, tell us a little bit about you and your family. Yes. Uh, well, I um, I live in Nottingham, I think you said that, um, and I am married to Johnny, who um, we we lead the church together, um, have four children. Um, wow. Gracie is uh, to remember. Gracie's te- uh, twelve, and then Joseph's ten, and then we have twin girls uh, that are also um, that are now turned eight. Um, so very neat uh, order, but quite a lot in in quite a short amount of yeah. time. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that's them, and um, yeah, life is busy with um, the orchard and with um, church stuff. Um, we have a dog. We've had some Labrador chat already this morning. We have. Haven't we? <laughs> uh, that Labradors are crazy when they're puppies basically yeah uh, but yeah yeah children well young children and young Labradors yeah. aren't always the yeah. the most well the best mix for your sanity really are they but um <laughs> it pushes you to your limits but absolutely um, yeah right okay um so you've got four kids including twins a Labrador you help run a church and a women's ministry um, I think it's safe to say you're quite a busy lady <laughs> um, and they're all quite intensive caring things where with any one of them you could spend all your time giving it your all how do you balance these things and especially when you know you're in a position of leadership and some element of pastoral work how do you create boundaries that protect you but are also gracious and loving <laughs> yeah Oh, such a good question. Um, I think, I think part of it is, I feel like I, I feel like I'm. This is such a calling, as in I really love it. <laughs> so I think if I didn't love what everything I did, I think that would be really hard. Um, so there's, you know, when you sort of people speak about a grace being over something, so you can kind of like. I guess it feels, you know, like you can I can cope because I'm. It's bringing me life even though it's costly and there it's often quite busy and a lot going on. I also come away like full. Um, but um, yeah, like regarding the sort of boundary around people, I think 
for me, um, the way that I've always seen it is that I am, I am taking people's hands pastorally and I'm leading them to Jesus. And so I feel like there's a certain element of me, I guess, being able to sort of remove my self from being the need. Um, and so I'm able to sort of, I guess, give them over to Jesus in prayer, or I'm able to literally um, help people attach themselves to him, not to me. And so I think that's a way of protecting the weight of some of the stuff, I think, pastorally, for sure. Um, does that answer your question? It really answers it. Yeah, I think I think that's such a good a good way of looking at it because yeah, I guess there there is a, a danger sometimes of when when you're doing a lot of pastoral work, people becoming quite attached to you and reliant on you, isn't there? Yeah, and I think that's just yeah, it it doesn't help them, and it doesn't help you. Know, and I obviously there's a sense in which you, um, you know, like someone gave me a word a long time ago actually that he that this person said, I feel like the Lord is saying people are going to lean on you as they learn to lean on Christ, and actually. Um, that's a beautiful image but the end is always to lean on Christ and so I think it helps I guess in that kind of the pastoral process or if you're you know raising leaders up or if you're you know even even a mum in you know like actually how do I how do I help my children rely on his presence at school how do I allow how do I raise them up to lean on him um, that sets them up well and it sort of I don't know. It helps take the pressure off in some way. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and 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 also, it's that's quite hard, isn't it, with children as well? Because I think as a mum, especially in the early days, you almost resent yeah. their neediness sometimes, don't you? Because it's like <laughs> I just don't want you to be on me all the time, or you know, want something from me all the time. But actually, um, we, I was just sharing that it's my little boy's last day of of preschool, and that sort of growing independence, <laughs> and then you realise when you're less needed that that's hard too isn't it mm, yeah it's really hard <laughs> I know when they start going to school but even like I think those early years are different you know I think they're, they're they are really intense and maybe we'll talk about that later but um like when they go to school you are not there you know especially my my bit my eldest has started secondary school and there is just a whole nother wave of like giving them back to the Lord like you're their father you know what they need this day and so I'm praying those needs into being in their day there is a um yeah the, it is like you know how do you help them in their day even when they come back and talk about oh, I didn't have anyone to play with at school they're in the playground it's like you know oh why don't you ask you know speak say to Jesus oh I'm feeling lonely can you help me you know helping them yeah I guess rely on him in those early years will set them up well I think that he's always with them even when I'm not there he's with you um I don't know whether that's a rabbit hole conversation but <laughs> no I think that's I think that's really helpful and it's a good reminder to me to yeah. to be a bit more like that I think um it's slightly harder for us to have those conversations with the boys because my husband's not actually a Christian um but um but yeah I think modeling that to the boys that yeah. you know that if I'm feeling a bit lonely and that's what I would do and yeah and, yeah that's so good yeah but, um, so talking yeah. of those intense years I'm slightly fascinated by twins <laughs> partly because by the way women can actually carry more than one baby because I've always had big babies <laughs> so I can't imagine <laughs> ever having room for another one in there um, 
but also the idea of having to look after two babies at once because one just seemed like hard enough work but what's what's been your journey with twins because I think a lot of twin mums it can be quite scary at first because I think people's reaction if you announce that you're having twins and um yeah I just I just like to think that we could maybe provide some encouragement if there's something <laughs> you might be about to find out they're having twins yeah I actually spoke to someone the other day that just found out they're having twins and she was like ah <laughs> um I I just didn't see it coming at all what's hilarious is that Johnny and I I always wanted four. So I'm one of four. So Rachel and I, who do the orchard together, we also have two older brothers. So I'm the youngest of four. And I've loved being, you know, part of that big family and all that. So I've always wanted like more. And I would keep going. I like, you know, um, but my husband's like, no, you know, we don't want any more than two. Um, and so we sort of compromised on three, like got him to three um, and then found out I was having <laughs> twins. <laughs> um, so I kind of won, I think. The Lord like bless me, you know. <laughs> but um, I, um, I, I just yeah, I wasn't expecting it at all. And in my in my in the pregnancy with the twins, um, it was so different. So I'd had a boy and a girl already, and it was such a different pregnancy. Um, that I I said to Johnny when I went to the scan, I was like, I'm I'm finding out whether I'm having aliens or twins. You know, it's like I'm going to this is so different um, that I already had in my head that I was going to find out whether I'm having twins or not. Um, so I think that was a bit of a grace, to be honest, because I was always, I already slightly prepared that this, yeah. I was so sick and so tired. Um, and my, my sister actually, and my mum were like thinking, you know, rolling their eyes and they're like, you're just getting older, Amy, you're just getting older. And it's just a, you know, you're just more tired in your third pregnancy. And I was like, no, this is different. <laughs> I like fall asleep playing trains with my son, you know, like literally fall asleep, at, you know, whilst playing at the train tracks. But anyway, um, so I wasn't expecting it at all. Um, but it, it's, it's just, it has been, it really has been the greatest gift. Um, so I would say that to any any twin mum that's pregnant um, or not expecting twins and the overwhelming sense of um, how am I going to do this? It is really, really intense. You know, the first year I have, it's blurry. The, you know, and so it is a lot, but now it it's bizarrely gets easier. So they are like really good mates. So they do everything together. They've got like a playmate 24 seven. Um, you know, you just don't need, there's so many things that I, I actually found easier when they got to toddler that I did with the others because they sort of entertain themselves. They didn't have to spend hours on the floor playing, you know, Lego or whatever. Not that that's, that's a wonderful <laughs> thing, but it was like, oh gosh, that's nice. <laughs> they can yeah. go and do that on their own. <laughs> um, and I, you know, so that was good. I think the one lesson is I probably had my first and there was an edge of perfectionism. Like I've got to be this sort of perfect parent. Um, and I think the more children I've had <laughs> and twins has completely rid me of perfectionism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so it's like, I just need to be good enough. I just, I just need to like do what I can. Um, and and actually that's been really that definitely has been a catalyst <laughs> you know the twins have been the catalyst for that um so I am really grateful and so twin mums it's amazing 
it's a huge privilege. Um, the insight that you, you know, the things that you get to sort of witness in that bond of friendship that no one, unless you're a twin, gets is really special to to sort of watch. It is amazing, yeah. isn't it? Um, a close yeah. family member's got twins and they're identical, and it just yeah it just blows my mind that sort of bond between them yeah, yeah. are yours yeah. identical they're identical yeah 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 and it's that... you know I've na- had to navigate all that stuff <laughs> did you have to write it's... on their feet or something yeah. which one was... <laughs> I had to which paint one, one of their I painted one of their toenails um red like I had to literally face a uh, nail varnish uh, toenail when they were first born I mean they are exactly the same I mean now obviously they're different personalities and obviously that you're shaped aren't you through how you know how you know how you how your mannerisms shape your body and all that stuff so I um so they are they they're very very different in my eyes now but people you know they it is hard for them as well and sort of keep talking because people even their cousins will say you know which one are you you know or people that they've known you know because kids are honest aren't they which is great but they're like are you Anna or are you Eden? And you know, and you want to be like, I'm your cousin. How do you not know me yet? That must be really hard for them, I think. So I just try and say, do you mind that? Is that annoying? Um, they generally think it's quite funny. Yeah. but I'm sure they'll use it to their advantage at some point as well. <laughs> yeah, I think they I would will. have they're fun quite, with it. <laughs> they're quite cheeky, so probably. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yes. So um, what about your journey of, faith have you been a christian all your life or did you come to it later yeah um so i was i was brought up in a um so my the family that we grew up in was a church going family and so yeah we i went to sunday school every week um and all that stuff and then um probably like in my teenage years i just sort of um i kind of went started to go out with friends you know on saturday night and didn't want to get up sunday morning you know that sort of increased um and so my parents were fairly kind of like just released us in some ways to sort of um go with that I'm sure my mom was praying like you know every uh every, every day but you know uh for that change but I did sort of give up on it I never really owned it it wasn't I just went because my parents went it wasn't like my faith um and so although I would always sort of stick up for Christianity or stick up for Jesus I definitely um wasn't following him at all um didn't have like a personal relationship with him and I don't think I don't think I was taught at, sec- at sort of Sunday school um that's what we called it when we were growing up um I wasn't really taught about it being a relationship with Jesus it was more like these are the bible stories to remember uh, and these are the rules you've got to keep basically um and so when I and then I went to university so I had like a decent schooling and everything was fine and then I went to university and I had a like a really hard time and I would say that I I sort of um that first year in university I explained it like I had a mirror it was like an unveiling of my eyes and I could see myself in a different way and I hated basically what who I could see um and so I I just became really low really um just didn't want to even like socially anxious didn't want to leave my room hated all the all the lectures and the studying and just a real um just really low sense of self um and then became very unhealthily had a really unhealthy relationship with food and addicted to the gym like wanting to make my outer appearance you know 
the I guess it's control, wasn't it, to try and you know make something okay. Um, anyway, at the end of my third year, um, I I can it's such a work of God. I don't quite know how it came about, but I just had this desire to find out if my parents' faith was real. Um, and it was like, well, they're really good people. They're really intelligent people. Um, they're kind. And they've lived their life given over to Jesus. Like, let's have, let, I surely there's, there must be something in this. Anyway, so I basically then, um, I sort of blew the dust off the Bible and started reading it and became more hungry to read the Bible. And then I did like a bunch of alphas, um, and, you know, asking loads of questions that I probably was taught when I was young, but never fully understood. You know, my eyes were being open to yeah. the truth of it. And then um, and then after university, I went to um, I went like a, on an around the world trip. Um, and one of the one of the destinations was Australia. And, uh, and at this point, I would say that I had said the prayer like a gazillion times, you know, at Alpha, like, I'm sorry, and thank you, know, thank you, I'm sorry, and please come into my life. Um, but at this point in Australia, I was like, I was totally, I totally decided in my head, but I wasn't seeing any life change, you know, I was still in the habitual ways of thinking, my, you know, sort of, my sense of self hadn't really shifted. And so I sort of spiraled back down, I think, into old behaviours. And then when I was in Australia, my sister who came out was actually engaged to, um, to, to to Tim, who was a worship leader, who was coming out to do um, this sort of Soul Survivor Sydney type thing. Anyway, I randomly, they said, come and we're in Australia, come and see us. So I said, fine, I'll come. So I came and it, the whole week was all about the love of God, you know, and there was an opportunity at the end for me to come forward to, um, you know, is there anyone who wants to come forward really to say yes to Jesus? Um, and so I, I came forward and I stood at the front and I held my hands out and I basically said, Lord, if you are real, like make yourself known to me. Like if, if I will, I will give you everything. I will give you everything if you just make yourself known. And I, I basically, um, I stood there. It felt like for like, you know, 10 minutes or it felt like a really long time begging, begging, begging him to make himself known. And then I was filled with the spirit. Like in a, I didn't have context for this. So I didn't have, hadn't had an experience like this before. And so I was like, it was a tangible, um, like weight of his presence that I, that was like, I just knew it was God, like filling me and um, basically showing me that he's real. And so that was amazing. But the most amazing thing was that I woke up the next morning and it was like, everything had changed it was one of those like I woke up yeah. and um and it was like talk about the mirror you know from the first year of uni it was like I saw I saw a new me it was like I am I'm a daughter of the king I am like I have so much I you know dignity you know it's like do you know whose I am it was this kind of like this sort of I grew stature in knowing who I am in Christ and so everything then changed out of that because it was like I didn't want to I didn't make the same I didn't need the same affirmations from guys or I didn't need to look a certain way to and so really it was I've been on this journey of sort of taking his hand and the more I've sort of given over my life the more he's redeemed it um and renewed it and so yeah long story but no that's in that's incredible and it was interesting what you were saying as well about the sort of almost begging gosh yeah. 
<laughs> because um interesting at the orchard last year um like I've had I've had like some experience of the Holy Spirit before but there was a lot of stuff I was working through and it felt like God had said you need to go to the orchard like it was just and it felt like there was I, I really wanted God to work through some stuff with with me and a lot of the stuff you and Rachel were preaching about and I got to the seminars in the afternoon and I was really angry with God I was like what is this all about because I I have felt nothing you know and it's I know it's not all about feelings or whatever but I was like I just you know you brought me here to Birmingham I got up at six o'clock this morning to drive us here we're not going to get back till midnight tonight what is this about <laughs> and in in the last session I literally I, I got really angry with God I was like look I need to do this stuff and then you and Rachel were talking about some prophetic stuff and bam because like, oh. you said like res- you know, put your hands out to respond and I have never felt anything like it like the whole oh. of my body it was like pins and needles and like but not pins and needles it yeah, was I just totally through my whole yeah. it was incredible and it was just oh. now a touch point for me of of faith of like actually yeah he's there <laughs> he yeah. loves you and yeah it was it was amazing sort of life yeah. life changing so wow that is so cool I love that <laughs> I love that I like write that story down <laughs> oh no I hope about your podcast next <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah dear. no that's so yeah so encouraging isn't it because that's what we do it for it's like oh you just want to see you just want to see that don't yeah. you you want to see people meeting and encountering Jesus that changes stuff yeah um so that's really encouraging so well yeah you're doing, you're doing good work <laughs> <laughs> you're on the right track <laughs> I'm sure you do that anyway but um so talking about the orchard for those who have no idea what I'm talking about when I refer to it then can you give us a little bit of an overview overview of what it's about yeah um so so the orchard is effectively a women's ministry um that is I like to see it I like to see it as like a it's a vehicle you know it's a uh, there are a few things we do we do a podcast and we have an, a, an annual orchards um gathering um and then we have a senior leaders retreat where we take senior leaders from across the country away for a couple for a night for two days and a night um where we're just like you know encouraging and giving them opportunity to receive prayer and um and that actually then they will leave and go and then see be empowered to go and see their women released in their local context um and so and then also we do orchard local so we do an orchard local in nottingham and i know lots of other places across the country do other women's things so you kind of want to um encourage the local to to sort of be part of um encouraging women um and so the so i would say the orchard is like a it's a vehicle for however long the lord wants to use it you know it's like you'll i keep this stuff all open-handed it's like lord however long you want to use it um, to, to see, yeah, for, to be a vehicle for, to see women step in, to, to retrain, to experience healing, to, to try, you know, to sort of exercise gifting, you know, sort of a bit of a, um, again, sort of like a gymnasium to sort of begin to exercise fresh muscles to then be, to sort of step into the fullness of what God has for them um, is the heart behind it. And we're sort of, in some ways kind of figuring out as we go like what god um is doing through it i think <laughs> yeah um but yeah and how how did it start how did you first get an idea that this is what 
you and Rachel wanted to do? We um, so Rachel and I, we both like you know sort of passed the local church, um, and we we both. I mean, Rachel and I, we're obviously sisters, but we're really good mates, and so we would speak on the phone quite regularly to one another because we kind of both do the same thing, and it's so nice to have a bit of a moan, isn't it? A bit of a this is what's happening, and I, you know, um, and they don't know anything about your context or you know it's just quite a and also you get wisdom from one another because you've been in the same situations um so we always do that but some of the conversations that we were having were um I think were kind of like you know when you have a really good chat and you're like oh I wish we recorded that because that might help people other than just Rach and I um and so we sort of were thinking around that anyway and then felt like God was saying to us both like gather the women just just gather the women is something that he's doing, um, wanting to release women. Um, and so we didn't really know much more than that. And so I I was thinking, brilliant, well, I'll gather my local women from my con- my local community and Rachel can do the same and we'll touch base, you know, maybe do a podcast, like, you know, these sort of phone conversations that we wanted to record, you know. Um, and, then, um, and then it just, Rachel was like, well, why don't we do it? Why don't we open it up? Like, why don't we make it, you know let's not just keep it local why don't we make it more of a national thing and so we thought and so it was kind of like okay great we'll gather lots of women <laughs> and see um what he wants to do so we did so we started at um we got started actually at gas street in birmingham which was like just pre-covid where we just sort of it was a bit of an experiment to see if god was in it is this something that was going to work are, are women even hungry for this or not you know because i think there's a interesting relationship with with women's things i think women have <laughs> certainly rachel and i have in the past um and but we sort of um we we opened the doors and we sort of said this is what we're going to be doing and the tickets literally like went like so fast like sold out really really fast and so we were like oh wow there is a hunger for this and then we did um the gas street one and it was good and then we sort of have just um just sort of grown into the we went to the town hall and then this year we're actually got enough for two thousand women which is really fun yeah the icc with loads of ministry loads of prayer ministry space because the town hall is getting quite squished and so now um there'll be lots of room to really pray um for each other um and you've got a youth so, yeah. ministry now as well haven't you yeah we've it? got a youth yeah again it's like how do we come alongside these girls that are just being like bombarded with lies from the moment they it feels like they get you know age of 12 secondary school and it's like you know um so how do we not just wait until they become women to come here how do we get in now like impart truth how do we come alongside them how do we raise up this army of women that from the from 12 year you know um and so we we had a shared sort of vision and excitement for doing that and so yeah we're doing that this year again it's a bit of an experiment so we'll see um but the need is massive for um, for that for that age group um yeah because they've got to be able to face an awful lot of stuff haven't they because like for us i mean 90s diet culture was bad enough yeah but you know and and a certain amount of uh, yeah sort of inequality of, of women but we weren't bombarded with it on social media all the time and then yeah you know there's, there's that element but then also I mean the stuff with like Andrew Tate and we, we just literally released an episode on pornography this week and 
you know, looking at the images that young people are seeing and the amount of violence towards women in porn, you know, know. we're going to have to raise up young women who are strong against that and being like, this is not okay. You know, you cannot treat me like this. This is, yeah, yeah, it's sort of double-edged sword really, isn't it? Like giving dignity back. Yeah. Yeah. It's like even sort of um, this idea that girl power is being half naked. It's like, that's not girl power. It's like, you know, it's like, no, there's so much more dignity in the Lord, you know. Um, so I, um, anyway, I I think part of it and part of the vision for the orchard, which is come, which sort of has come to us is I was praying, I was praying about it, you know, saying, Lord, you know, what are you doing? What is the orchard? What, how do we sort of, what's your heart for it? And I think what came out really clearly is it, it really is, um, a, a movement or a vehicle to push back the work of the enemy um, that has just come to um, push and silence and oppress women. Um, and so everything we do feels like warfare. And certainly when it comes to the young girls, um, I mean, I get a bit of a fire in my belly as you might, but I, it's like <laughs> the, the tactic um, of the enemy to come and squash life um, and I think Rachel and I just feel like in our lifetime, we will do whatever we can to to combat the enemy taking any more ground um, to, you know, and to redeem the ground that he he thinks he's taken. Um, so it feels quite it feels quite warfare as well, um, uh, which kind of gives the fire to it. I think it's yeah. not just a sort of um, a sweet women's thing. It's like, no, this is like we're on a battleground here. Yeah. And that was really helpful. Men. You yeah. talked about that at the beginning of the orchard yeah. last the, the gathering, didn't you, last year? And um you can actually for the listeners, you can listen back to um yeah. some of those talks um on the orchard podcast. So I'll, I'll make sure I, I share that link. Um but what have been what have been the real highs then of the orchard for you guys? It's, uh, definitely um I mean, hanging out with Rach has been really fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get to spend loads of time together, which is so fun. Um, and the podcasts, I really enjoy doing those. I've learned a ton because we've just been looking at the women across the scriptures, um, which is just amazing to see God moving in such powerful ways through these women. Um, that's been really high. But I've, obviously, it's the, you know, it's the stories, um, you know, the stories that you get after you put you know like something like the conference on or um even the sort of seeing women in your I mean I'm seeing women in my local context like gain their voice you know and sort of step into the authority that God's given them um caring less about what people think around them you know all that stuff is like really amazing to watch and to see um and it's you know it's God's work isn't it um, but it's fun to sort of be part of that and see yeah, that. Absolutely. So mm. looking at this, you know, this these themes of liberation and empowerment, um, what does that look like in the context of the vision of the orchard? Yeah, I do. I, do, I think this is a really good question because I, I think what I, I think I feel like I'm carrying is it's, I think sometimes, um, I think sometimes we think it's released and empowered to like to do to be a leader or to do 
And it's like, that might be the case. And that's amazing if that is, you know, where the Lord is leading you. And it's like, yes, absolutely. You know, releasing leaders, uh, female leaders and all that good stuff. Um, but I feel like the Lord wants to release women in every, in every season, in every way. Um, and so, and particularly when you look at, um, I guess when you look at the, even the sort of the women that we've looked at through the podcast, um, it was these like, moments of radical obedience intercession um speaking out that um, are like momentary in crazy seasons and often in seasons of um you know sort of a, a powerless season if you like um where those moments of obedience have like literally shifted history um and so i think part of what we want to do is like it whatever season you're in um you can be a catalyst for the kingdom of God. Um, and so I think and what, what what that looks like is I think falling more in love with him is the key. <laughs> I think it's like, how do we fall more in love with Jesus? How do we um, give him more and more of our lives um, and receive his love, you know, um, to then enable us to be obedient, disciple you know sort of you see don't you that even um like the most devoted women um throughout the bible are like it's their it's their weapon of devotion that leads them to this to radical obedience which then shifts history and so i feel like it always starts with devotion but i also think that there are moments that um god wants to release women because well, i think we're really bold i think that women are like are willing to take risks i think they're willing to 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 um step into costly obedience i think they don't need to be seen all the time and actually in the hidden place through intercession you know into by praying into a moment can a hundred percent shift things and so it's like how do we empower everyone to to step into the the gifting and the tools and the weapons that are upside down weapons um to actually be part of shaping history that is not about me but is about my obedience which shifts things that we might not even get to see and it might not be a happy ending but actually that's not the end because we're learning to be if we're full in Christ you know that's enough and it's like how do we learn to be full in him but actually we can be obedient for the sake of the kingdom that might <laughs> might not be we might not gain anything from that you know yeah. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. It does, particularly the last bit. And I actually saw a post, someone shared a poster the other day of someone saying, I think it's something like brave is the woman who sows seeds um, that she won't see the fruit of or, or whatever. And um, yeah, it's it, it's not the way that culture works, is it? We want to no. see immediate impact. We want to see results. Um, I don't think we're very patient. And yeah, being... And and I think even in Christian circles, you know, we can want to yeah, get those results to yeah. and to feel like we'll die on our deathbed, having seen, you know, all these things that we've done and, you know, go well, good and faithful servant type thing. And yeah. But yeah, it's it's a it's a brave kind of obedience that but um but you yeah. see it in other people like Han Hannah probably yeah. say would yeah. be one of them and um yeah yeah it does make a it lot is, of sense <laughs> yeah yeah and I think it I think it's a it's a whole different way 
it's a whole different way of seeing your life isn't it but actually my my it's not about me I might not get to see the fruit of my life of obedience but it doesn't matter if you're sowing into the next generation and I think that's really hard and it's easy to say isn't it but I think the only way personally which I think I'm learning is the only way to live in that mentality is to know that I'm already full like I was, you know the prodigal son where um where he is um you know where the 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 son comes back and they throw that party and then the older brother's like really peed off because you know you, you know I, I want that party and um but the father says to him everything I have is yours it's always been yours and it always will be yours and I was just like oh how often? And I'm like, oh, it's so unfair because I want that. And I want to be seen in that way. Or I want this. And I, that's not fair. And actually, it's like, I'm already, he's like, all of all of me, you know, in Christ is is yours. Like, you've got the fullness of being in him, which is the end. And I think it's like, how do we begin to, how do you cultivate a life that's like, okay, I'm full in you. And I can then do this without needing the reward at the end. Um that I think ultimately will change history if we step more into that level of obedience, if we don't think it's about us. <laughs> Absolutely. It's hard though, isn't it? And it Very requires hard. a lot of perseverance, a lot of perseverance and 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 faith. Yeah, it does. Um, and I mean, motherhood as a season I mean that there's a place motherhood where you're putting a lot into into it and not necessarily seeing the fruits of what you're doing Absolutely. all the time yeah. but I mean motherhood as a season and it has obviously lots of seasons within it can feel maybe a challenge to stepping into purpose or connecting with God or you know I mean even finding the time sometimes just to say yeah. a quick prayer and you know yeah. or whatever and you know whether it's being time poor or sleep deprived or having a heavy mental load or and or it being monotonous or I'm just listing off all the bad parts honestly but motherhood is amazing sometimes <laughs> or just feeling <laughs> a bit a bit lost yeah. with your identity because yeah. it changes yeah. so much becoming a mum yeah firstly how can we get better as mums as flourishing in that season even when it might be personally a difficult season for us because not all people take to motherhood in the way I think we're expected to, especially in Christian circles, where you've got this sort of hashtag blessed mentality. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll ask, ask that question first, and I'll I'll ask my next one in a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's re- I think it is really hard. I think it's not denying it, is it? As in, I think find those people around you that you can be really honest with. Yeah. So I I had a group of um, of fellow mums um, and a dad that we just were really honest through the harder bits because <laughs> it is really it is really isolating and hard um and I think allowing having grace in it I think allowing yourself to uh not always find it that great um because it's a pressure isn't it where it's like, I should be I should be you know loads of people can't have children and lots of you know lots of people struggle in different areas and so it's like I can't even ever moan about it and so it's allowing yourself those places to be like oh this is actually really hard and really costly which I'm sure people do and that's why this podcast is brilliant because it's like getting real isn't it but um 
I think I think for me, I don't know whether this answers it, but I I do I look back on certainly those early years and they were really hard. Um, but I think they revealed to me, they do bring up all your crap, don't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm doing great. And then you have kids and you're like, oh, my days, I did not know that anger was there or I did not know, you know, that selfishness was there or whatever it is. And so I think you can fight that or ignore it and want to cover it up or you just project that onto something else. But I think there is an invitation for the Lord to do a deep work of, um, you know, of allowing that to come out before him and saying, okay, Lord, this is here. I'll give it to you. And I, I want you to, I want you to come and show me where that comes from or, you know, you know, sort of doing a bit of a deeper healing work. Um, I think that's an amazing opportunity in the early years. Um, and so I do, and Rachel and I talk about this quite a lot, that we look back and we think, flipping heck, they were the most formational. I did, I was trained to be a vicar and we go to, we have to do, um, like you have to have formation classes. And, you know, I sort of secretly wanted to sit there and be like, mm, this is, this is not, this formation class is yeah. nothing compared to... <laughs> you know five years at home with the kids yeah. do you want to do a formation class take up children <laughs> but it's true isn't it yeah absolutely um, absolutely and the... you start to examine don't you self-examine all the things that you're going to project towards your kids as well and yeah you know and you have to suddenly pull up I know 28 yeah. 30 years of yeah. rubbish inside of you and expectations from society from pet yeah it's it's really hard yeah, and then you've is. also got the pressure of you looking after kids so you're trying to do all the, the healing work yeah. whilst looking after yeah. these little human beings it, yeah. it is hard and I do think in that I I I, say, I would say that um walking into wholeness you know sort of healing and wholeness is ultimately not perfection is it when are we ever going to be perfect ever but walking into wholeness is giving your whole life to God and so instead of covering up or saying I'm not angry I'm not selfish I'm loving this, you know, it's like, actually, he wants your whole life, the messy, the ugly, the beautiful, all of it. And so actually, if you say, Lord, this is here, I give it to you. And I give it to I, I ask you to come sort it out. And I'm giving you my whole life every day, then actually, he does a redemption, a redemptive work in that when you don't even realize sometimes you might, you know, um, he might, you know, that he takes you then on a journey, allow him to be your counselor, I guess. Um, but I think the other thing that sort of kept me going, I think, is um, is again seeing I'm like a major, I like to achieve, like a quite, you know, when I, I change my room around, I change my house around all the time because it's like that sense of achievement. Because, you know, it's hard with kids, isn't it? Because yeah. you're like, what have I done today? When you And then you're knackered and you're like, but I've got like nothing to show, yeah. you know, except <laughs> for keeping little people alive, which is a pretty amazing thing. Yeah. um but you know what I mean in that sort of achievement it doesn't always feel like that does it no um and so I think for me I've had to go back to like okay what is the re what is it what does it mean to be a Christian and if the sole reason is to is to love God <laughs> to love God and to love others actually our, my achievement of the day is I am loving you as I 
love my children. I'm loving you as I give sacrificially to them. And he is so pleased with that. Yeah. Um, and so that's the achievement of the day. Like I am just devoting my life to you in this way. Um, and ultimately that's everything you want from me. <laughs> that's beautiful. Thank you. And I think you've you've balanced really well because I think there can be that sometimes toxic positivity, aren't can't there, about motherhood. But being, you know, the idea of just being honest about it, but also also thanking God, you know, also, you know, you know, going, it's just lovely to serve you in this way. You've given me this, these yeah. children and I, I can love you through loving through yeah. them. Um, and I, th- I do think like I see people and it's not even with children, but you see people have like such, there are costly calls, like in other areas of, you know, different, even like I, speaking to people who are, who are fostering or who are walking alongside, you know, people with addiction or, you know, or having um, walking, you know, family members who are chronically ill or, or, you know, and there is something that I guess our culture is so skewed and it isn't the kingdom culture. There is something so holy and so full of God in those upside down, uh, just like beautiful costs of sacrificial living that I think, if you're open and to see through, it's really hard. It's like you get to see a, a part of God, I think, in those spaces that you don't always get to see in other seasons. Absolutely. But it, I guess it's asking for the eyes to to see that. I think. Anyway, it, I'm not. I'm not trying to make it sound easy or or be trite about it. But I think there is some gold in there that can be missed. I think. Oh, absolutely. I'm. I am. Um did my I did a theology degree and my dissertation was on Bonhoeffer so his book Costly Discipleship yeah. which I very much recommend to anyone um so yeah I'm all I'm all about costly discipleship but like you say it's so countercultural, and we can fall into a trap can't we of wanting our satisfaction yeah. from from life that we miss that like you say that gold dust of serving of 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 it yeah. being costly to us at that point so um yeah mm. and finally because one of the questions that we always ask is is how can we be be salt and light to the to the women around us in those situations so thinking specifically about mums how how do you think we can support mums in in that season better to to be oh sorry that is my dog <laughs> <laughs> She's just stretching. I could not. I can't even hear. Very, very real here on the podcast. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. How can we help mums be more liberated and, and empowered in in that tough season? Sometimes. Yeah. Um, well, I think with your sort of fellow, I guess your fellow Christian mates, I think it's like you said, being really honest and sort of processing the season and um, um. And I think encouraging, I, I I just have a practice every morning of like casting my cares, basically. <laughs> I'm just like, Lord, this is, you know, these are your children and I give them to you and um, and you know what they need. And so I'm casting my cares uh, on, onto you. Um, and so I think it's encouraging each other to do that. But ultimately, we're not going to fix, we can't fix anything. Um, and so I think we can get very stressed by thinking we can and it doesn't actually solve anything or worrying about the future or whatever um and so I you know I think part of it is encouraging each other in that um and just 
trying to I mean I I look back on those sort of early years and um we just I just we did such I just had a friend and I had a season with a really good friend of mine um called Dizzy um and we had kids at the same time and we just got out of the house and we did you know so many stupid like ridiculous adventures that were um you know sort of fun but you know we went to even sort of going to a supermarket and going up and down the lift <laughs> it was like it was like Disneyland for our three-year-old yeah <laughs> but it keeps you sort of sane together you know yeah. it's ridiculous but it's kind of fun and they're having fun and, um you know so I think just it's a friendship basically exactly it is sort yeah. of in it together um yeah and I had a I had a, a mum's group when I was um when the kids were really little and the twins were brand new babies um and we had this mum's group that came over every week every week to my front room and it was carnage absolute carnage but we just were determined to pray and so we, we prayed for each other in that um and then sort of being salt to though you know salt and light to those around us um mum motherhood gives an amazing opportunity doesn't it to come alongside um people in your local community and nursery and school I mean I have met so many um mum friends through the school yeah. gates and nursery and um and I don't know whether I think when the spirits I think when the spirits that work within you I think often that there's a pressure to be the you know I must show them that I'm perfect mum or I'm and I don't think that's I just don't think that's the way to be so light. I think no. <laughs> allowing allowing yourself to just rely on him, yeah, and you know depend on him in our. He they don't need uh, you know the world doesn't need us to be perfect. They need to see that we have we have somebody that we can rely upon and depend upon who loves us. You know, and who doesn't want that? Mm-hmm. Um. And so I think, I guess, yeah, showing a different way. Absolutely. That's a great encouragement, I think, just to end <laughs> on. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so if you want to find out a little bit more about the Orchard Women, you can um, go to theorchardwomen.com or you can follow Amy and Rachel on the Orchard Women sorry at the Orchard Women on Instagram they also have a podcast I'm not going to read out the podcast um <laughs> right now it involves a lot of numbers and letters but I will share that on all our show notes and you can search for it on um Spotify or iTunes before we go can I just pray for you Amy oh yeah thanks yeah thank you Jesus for Amy and for Rachel and for their ministry to women through the Orchard we um pray that you continue to pour blessing on the orchard that women continue through their podcasts and their gatherings to experience your holy spirit your word your your message of um liberation and love and we pray for women that might be listening today and wanting to step into that message of empowerment and liberation and love that you send your Holy Spirit on them now, Lord, that they receive your love and you send them out in your power and glory. And we pray that the church becomes a place that further upholds women, that empowers women to be valued the way that you value us, made in your image, loved by you. Amen. Amen. Oh, thanks thanks so so much. Oh, and before I go, I must mention, you've got another gathering, haven't you? Yeah, 7th of October. 7th of October. I'm gutted I'm at a wedding. Oh, Oh, no. I can't come. I literally booked my tickets and then got to save the date. But 
<laughs> well, have an amazing wedding. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you and, okay. and I hope the gathering goes really well. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks so, so much, much for having me. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed recording it. I was just so excited when Amy said she'd come on the podcast because I've listened to the Orchard podcast for a while. And as I mentioned during this episode, I found going to their Orchard gathering last year really life changing in many ways. And it'll certainly be a touch point for my faith for for the rest of my life. So yeah, I really encourage you if you've got the chance to go this year on October the 7th to get a ticket because it was just so fantastic. It's, um, I think especially when you've got really young kids, it's really hard to carve out the time to go to gatherings, conferences, whatever you want to call them. Um, or if you want to avoid camping, <clears throat> me I do glamping not camping um (laughs) um, it's a really good opportunity um to to go and gather and listen and be with your friends and worship and just focus on your faith for a day it's awesome anyway next week we'll be back with Hannah from Tear Fund Hannah Bowring um, and she'll be coming on to talk about motherhood and climate change, which might seem like a strange topic, but I promise you it's a good one. So see you then. Remember, all the links that we've talked about today can be found on our show notes. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do remember to hit subscribe if you haven't done already. And even better, you can help us reach a wider audience by giving a quick review on whichever platform you're listening on. See you next time.